Bingeworthy and all the playlist podcasts are sponsored by MUBI, a curated online cinema streaming a selection of exceptional independent, classic, and award-winning films from around the globe. MUBI's film experts handpick every single film they show. Each day, they present a new gem, and you have one month to watch it. Current highlights now showing include Lawrence Anyways from Xavier Dolan, two films from Carlo Lazzani, and four from Agnes Varda. MUBI is available on the web, Roku, PlayStation, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and Samsung Smart TVs, as well as on mobile devices including iPad, iPhone, and Android. The Playlist listeners are eligible for a special 30-day free trial. Regular people only receive seven days free. Visit mubi.com slash the playlist to start watching. You are listening to Bingeworthy, the episodic television and long-form narrative conversation of the Playlist Podcast Network and theplaylist.net. Here's your host, Kimber Myers. Hello and welcome to Bingeworthy, the official Playlist TV podcast. I'm your host, Kimber Myers, and with me today I have Rodrigo Perez, the Playlist Editor-in-Chief. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm trying to keep up with all the television out there, but Peak TV is making me fail because there's just too much TV out there. <laughs> I don't know how any anyone keeps up with it. We try our best. Uh, we tr- I think we triage is what we try and do, is yeah. triage television, and there's always something that sl- slips through the cracks, but um, yeah, trying to mainline as much television as I can. <laughs> it's my new heroine. It is a full-time job. Um, it really is, and it's hard to do it while you're working. <laughs> Some of us have day jobs. And then also trying to cover film um, because, you know, that's what we do too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyhow, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. It's a full-time job. So the problem isn't just too much TV in general, but as we'll discuss today, there maybe is too much Marvel television specifically, Um, some of it better than others. We'll focus largely on the new Netflix show, Iron Fist, as well as go farther in the Marvel TV universe to Legion, as well as upcoming series for Fox, Hulu, etc. going to be all Marvel all the time. All Marvel all the time. So either strap in or (laughs) get out while you can if you are either anti-Marvel or if you're you're pro-DC, but we won't make you choose between between those two. Maybe maybe people don't care so much. I feel like, you know, like uh, in the world of film, it's very much DC versus Marvel, and... I think it's a different strata because the television audience is different. I think like some of the television audience is just and you're rolling your eyes. So maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the television audience is slightly different, where they're just like watching television, and you know they're watching, they're thinking of Netflix and they're thinking of Amazon and Hulu, and less about this is the Marvel thing. I mean, that's I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm totally wrong. I guess it depends on what type of viewer we're talking about. If it's more of a general TV fan, or if it's an actual comic book superhero fan, then I think it can be very specific, but what Marvel and DC are doing in television it's really is, different, is right? so different. Yeah. Um, There's no way to have that competition or look at them the same, because there's the CW, which is not good. Oh, don't shit on the CW. <laughs> oh no, you like the CW? The CW, which is not good, and also just doing something completely different. Totally. I don't think that their aims are... They don't take themselves as seriously as Marvel with a 
exception of Arrow, which is why I can't watch Arrow. Okay. Um, or um, so I just stick to Supergirl and The Flash, which I'm behind on both because. That's a that's a podcast conversation that I will not be involved. In. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll save the DC chatter for another time yeah. and circle back to Marvel because we could speak for hours just about even just what they have on right now. So Iron Fist debuted earlier this month, and it's a Netflix original and is part of the Defenders series that we first got with Daredevil, then Jessica Jones, then Luke Cage, and now finally Iron Fist is the fourth and final member of that group of Marvel superheroes. And just to kind of go a little bit into the plot, so you guys, if you haven't started watching, which we'll get into whether we think you should start watching, (laughs) uh, Finn Jones, formerly of Game of Thrones, is Danny Rand, who is the heir to the Rand fortune here in New York City. He, as a child, was in a plane crash with his parents who were killed, and he was gone for 15 years. Uh, We learned that he was training with the monks in a... <laughs> I don't even know how to say the like to describe in, in Kunlun. Kunlun. Yeah, Kunlun it's, is essentially like I mean it's the the I mean you remember I don't even know what they're called but like when when Batman in Batman I feel like the show reminds me of the 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 opening of the show reminds me a little of Batman Begins where he goes off to like some Shaolin kind of like you know kung fu mastery temple in in the Himalayas and then comes back as like you know the rich man who's you know, fighting crime. I, I feel like that's where the similarities of broadly, anyhow, yes. is where Iron Fist sort of crosses over, and a little bit of Batman begins. At least that setup, like going into the in Tibet or in the mountains of somewhere and meeting like kung fu Shaolin experts who, like, in in the case of Iron Fist, they raise him because he gets into a a, a plane crash with his family. That's the sort of his origin story. He gets into a plane crash. He's raised by monks. Who abuse him? Yes, who were very, who were very mean to him. <laughs> let's let's throw that out there. That's right. They beat him, and they they they're mean to him. So he needs to learn his kung fu, or otherwise he's going to get beaten. I think he gets beaten regardless. Yes, and pain for him brings out his superpower, which is this is the Iron Fist of of the title. It's the glowing hand. It is the glowing hand. It's his light bright hand. When he, need, <laughs> when he needs to read at night, he just turns on the, the iron fist hand, and it's his nightlight. Um. So he returns to New York, initially is mistaken for a homeless person by both his childhood friends, uh, who are the Meacham family, Joy Meacham, played by Jessica Stroop, and Ward Meacham, played by Tom Pelfrey. And... He attempts to re-enter New York society and to reclaim his rightful name of Danny Rand. On the side of all of that, we have uh, a woman who runs a dojo downtown named Colleen Wing, played by Jessica Henwick. So I think that's the quick and dirty description. (laughs) Not so quick and and dirty description. Five minutes, it's fine. Essentially. He trains, he comes back to New York, he's part of the Rand family, which is this dynasty of billionaires, white privileged billionaires, and his his quote unquote larger family, the, the Meachams, who he grew up with, they've 
they're now controlling the RAND Corporation because the RANDs are dead. They died in that plane crash that we were talking about. And so Danny's trying to... I mean, not necessarily trying to... Rec- he's eventually trying to reclaim the throne. But at first, he's just trying to like reconnect yes. with his, his, uh, his sort of makeshift family, which are the Meachams. And they're like, you're dead. Who are you? You're a crazy man. And, and he's like, no, we used to be besties. And he's so... I mean, that's the other thing. I mean... Let's let's get into it. Like Danny Rand is like so emo. He's like this like petulant baby, yeah. and he's like, "Be my friend, be my friend." You know, he's <laughs> even like, even though you believe me as a child, be my friend. Yeah, he's he he's I guess supposed to be in his twenties, right? Twenty something. Yeah, and he like twenty five. Right, and he and maybe because he's been like unsocialized and he hasn't been socialized to normal society. He's just been beat by monks, but he he acts like a fifteen year old throughout yeah. most of the show. And he's just very, he's petulant. He's he's got this, and he's and he's pouting all the time. He's just really angry. And I I think we can certainly agree that we do not like Finn Jones as Danny Rand. Um, that we are one hundred percent in agreement with, which is unfortunate because the show is called Iron Fist, and so there's a lot of Finn Jones as Danny Rand and. Iron Fist. He's basically in every scene. He's the lead character. He's everywhere. There's rarely a scene without him. And uh, I don't know who... I, I mean, I personally find that Marvel television Netflix casting is pretty poor. Um, I'm not a big fan of any other casting, but I don't know who decided that Finn Jones is the leading man. He works perfectly on Game of Thrones, but... Um, you know, sometimes you live and die by your... I mean, you know, what do they say? You know, the directors usually say, like, two-thirds of your job is casting. And, and you know, uh, if um, you live and die by your casting. And so when you have a, uh, an actor like Finn and some pretty poor writing, um, you know, the kind of the writing uh, is on the wall for, like, how the show is going to play out. It's just not... I mean, I don't find Jones a very dynamic actor. And then you couple that with the writing and... You've got Iron Fist. <laughs> it's, it is not an enjoyable show. <laughs> um, I feel like this is going to be one that we get maybe some hate mail over. <laughs> if my review last year of uh, Daredevil Season 2 was any indication. Mm-hmm. Is that, and I say this as, as a geek who really wants these shows to be engaging and succeed. Um, but this is the worst of the four, in, in my opinion. And that's even overlooking... The problem that's been getting a lot of the press, which is the whitewashing of, um, if not the character of Danny Rand, who has historically been white in the Marvel comics, but the idea that this white guy goes to um, the mountains in the Him- goes to the Himalayas and uh, comes back a kung fu master and is able to um, beat all the Asian people at their own game. <laughs> That's that's certainly the 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 one way of looking at it. I mean, he he definitely does that. There's a weight saver thing going on to it, um, and obviously there's a there's a we're in the middle of like a an Asian whitewashing crisis. We've got Ghost in the Shell, we've got Doctor Strange, we've got Iron Fist. There's there's a there's a problem there where um, Hollywood and 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 television and the culture at large is is happy to cast <laughs> Caucasians in. in uh, Instead, in place of uh, Asian characters, um, but uh, to be maybe insensitive, like the show, you put a, an Asian character. Uh, yeah, it's distasteful because you do have this Asian character who's like 
or the sorry, the Caucasian character who's mastered martial arts and he kicks the asses of all the Asian characters, as you say, sort of teaches them their own game. Uh, but I don't. You put I, you put an Asian character in the lead as Danny Rand, and you play out that same story, and you play out those same scripts. Um, I don't think the show gets any fundamentally any better. No, I as much of the the problems fall on the shoulders of Finn Jones. It's also really on showrunner Scott Buck. There's issues with, of course, the scripts, as Rodrigo just mentioned, but also in terms of like the dialogue, even beyond the even beyond the slowness of the even beyond the slowness of these scripts, which is a frequent Marvel issue, as is the poor dialogue here, both of those are at their worst. Yeah, I mean, Iron Fist has uh, 17% rotten, t- uh, rotten Tomatoes rotten score of 17%, which is like easily the, the lowest of all the Netflix shows. But as you probably know, Kimber, um, I'm not a huge fan of Netflix television, <laughs> period, or in general, but certainly not even the, the on, on Netflix. Um, Mar- Marvel te- television across the board, I find pretty weak. The Netflix, it, like I, I think I'm in the maybe the mi- minority that like I think Luke Cage is pretty terrible. Um, I think Luke Cage has a ninety something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's obviously uh, there's a consensus that it's a good show, and I think it's pretty pretty effing bad. Uh, uh, Mahershala Ali is awesome. He, but he's you know he can't he can't do wrong. He you, he's a he, he'll fall down the stairs on his face and he's still going to be a great actor doing it. Whereas Mike Coulter is like, he's kind of wood to me. He's like... I like that quality in that role. I think it works with his like do-gooder blandness. <laughs> he's um, the, the dunderhead who's just going to like, I'm going to be the juggernaut who <laughs> saves the day. I, I'm fine with it. Um, and I didn't think... Luke Cage was was perfect. It really could have been, as with all Marvel shows, could have been several episodes shorter without really risking any sort of loss to the story um, or any loss to momentum. But Iron Fist is a whole new level of slowness. I feel like we spent a lot of time with Danny trying to establish who he is, and then we spent time with Danny in the mental institution then we spent which if that was handled in a better way sure that gets its own episode but the mental institute and mental institute episode and that whole that whole arc that i think it goes for maybe one more than one episode yeah it's just a classic example of plot blocking like just like <laughs> let's stretch this out and yeah. like let's throw him in a mental hospital for three or four episodes or two or three in this two two episodes maybe and like delay the story right Give them an obstacle and block and block block the plot. Um, I think we've talked about this before. Just general plot blocking, which if you don't remember, or if you haven't heard the term before, it's essentially just obstacles. And you got your main story, and it's in television. It's a it's a, a, an unfortunate phenomenon that that it's, a, it's essentially stretching out shows. Or if you've got twelve shows, you can probably tell your episode. Your you can t- you tell your story in like six maybe seven episodes, but there's so much plot blocking that uh, uh, there's so many detours and, and things just get delayed. It's like these 
obstacles that throw the story into a bit of a cul-de-sac and then they're spit out and then you go back to her like your regularly scheduled program kind of thing that's how I feel about plot blocking yeah and it's especially unfortunate with Netflix where there isn't an external need for there to be 13 episodes right. other than they just want to keep you watching and, and there's no the commercials week. yeah it's it's a totally different model where showrunners should have the freedom to say I can tell my story in six episodes eight episodes etc and really be able to take that control and yet each of these shows I think we're getting 13 episodes a season and 13 episodes is too many episodes even as somebody who liked the other three shows to varying degrees um, Jessica Jones could have been a few episodes shorter Daredevil especially in season two I would like to say a little bit less of but um, here 13 hours with with Danny Rand is just it's a lot of time yeah I mean that's it's the funny thing about you know when when people start when auteurs and and strong filmmakers and strong showrunners started getting into into television and the you know peak TV started and the whole quality of television's grown um, you know I, I think like Soderbergh when he was um, doing the Nick he was like this is an opportunity to go long and deep right and not as a sexual term but actually in the narrative <laughs> <laughs> so so um, you know and it, it, you can rather than telling the story in, in 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 two hours you can tell it in you know eight or nine or however many uh, um, a season is um, but then you get into that so yeah you can explore an idea um, um, in more depth and think about all the, the show all the movies that are turning into shows now Lethal Weapon uh, help me out with there's got to be tons Training of, Day was I guess now briefly a show Training Day but there's tons of them like I feel so like many. every movie is franchise is being turned into a television franchise because you can like uh, Jack Ryan. Yeah. Um, there's, there's just multitudes of them. And, um, the idea of like we can really spend time and marinate in the story and tell it in the kind of right way. But what ends up happening is that people just extend and stretch. It's like that, you know, when you're on television. And you this is a weird thing to say because this is all visual. But in television, when a person's on air and there's the the PA or whatever, and he's signaling to the person, and he's doing that stretch, that stretch <laughs> with your hands, and he's telling the person who's on on air, and he's saying like, "Hey, stretch, keep this going because we're not ready to our commercial break or whatever it is." Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm doing these stretch hand symbol signals that you can't see, but I hopefully you get the gist, and hopefully you've seen this in some sort of movie or TV before. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's what they do, and. Uh, uh, it's like you said it's just unfortunate there's no need to do it I think a lot of these Netflix shows could be told in like eight episodes but there's obviously some sort of strategy there about the 13 episodes from Netflix um, to keeping people hooked which is also a little weird because as we all know the Netflix strategy is completely different from television regular television regular television has um, ads and stuff like that and Netflix doesn't need them they don't do any advertising it's all about subscribers that's their metric of success is Let's get more subscribers, let's get more subscribers, and let's get more subscribers. And as we know, they're becoming this gigantic like juggernaut of, of culture. They're all over the world. And Netflix has kind of become, it's like turning into Kleenex. Now, Kleenex <laughs> is a brand that's like, it's, it's tissue, yeah. but now we all call it Kleenex. And, and uh, Jessica Kiang and I have been discussing this a little bit. Like, we feel like Netflix is going to be like, you know, it's already kind of be a verb, like Netflix it. Yeah. And, uh, um, and so it's, it's going to become like Kleenex. It's going to become a brand that, that <laughs> people 
you know it's like Google yeah yeah I I would love to get insight into the Netflix data, which is obviously never going to happen. Nope. I assume that there is some data point that they have that says 13 episodes is the ideal amount of time for this particular type of drama. I know that they release stuff around when people get hooked on shows, and they, they clearly have more data than um, even we might imagine. And... I'm sure that there is smart thinking behind this 13-episode emphasis. They must have, like, crazy algorithms. They must, like, think about it. It's like their television. They know exactly what their viewers are doing. It's It's got to be a zillion times more um, dialed in and, and uh, uh, comprehensive than it is a movie because how, how do you do that with a movie? Like, you know, the people in the audience, you can poll them, you can survey them, you can talk the exit polling and how did you like the movie. You can do cinema score, stuff like that. But you can't, like, track their behavior like if you're watching net if you're watching Iron Fist and you turn it off halfway through and watch something else, they know that. Yeah. They've got all their data. They know exactly what you're doing. And not in an ominous way, but it's just that's how their system works. They their viewers are subscribers and it, and they probably have an algorithm that tells them the consensus of what's going on and how their viewers are engaging and interacting with their programming. Yeah. So, uh it, again, that probably be a weird metric for them to be like. They, they I don't know if they've ever canceled the show, um, and they probably don't need to. Yeah, I think there are a few shows that have been just one or two seasons. Like was Bloodline two seasons? Bloodline, it's two, and it's coming back for a third. Oh <laughs> all, 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 Oliver Littleton, our, our, our UK writer, um, Littleton. Oh, sorry about that, Ollie. Um, <laughs> He uh, he goes he, uh, bloodline drives him crazy because he he's always talking about how bloodline should have been like like four episodes and yeah. that's it and it's been stretched into three seasons. It's it's true. I mean, there's there's no reason for it, but no. they found a reason to. I mean, that's a again plot blocking. It's a sort of uh, endemic problem to television narrative. It's like the opposite of like, hey, film, we got a chance to do all this stuff and it's been abused. Yeah. Right. So hopefully, I think it's still that at least for most network television, there's still the adherence to the structures of broadcast television and less adhering to this is what's best for the story. This is what the creator wants in some cases. Well, you think about it even just on, on a writing basis because you've got your commercial break, yeah. right, on broadcast television. And, I mean, it's different, obviously, now that we're, we got uh, – HBO and there's no commercial subscribers. Most of the great television is now subscriber-based. But even something like, uh, which we're going to talk about fairly soon, like Legion, there's commercials. So yeah. you're writing in that sort of is also a different skill and a totally different way of writing than you would be for HBO or for Netflix because you got to – it's like the ABC of, of television writing with your – commercial breaks in between and you got to have like a little pivot hook at the end yeah. that takes you to the next thing. That's actually, um, from everything I've heard from every other writer who's done it, is it's much more complicated and much more difficult than it is like even film writing. You know, it's like probably the hardest of visual narrative because it's just so, um, there's such a locked in structure, you yeah. know? I do like that, and again we'll get to this in a bit with FX, that there does seem to be so much more freedom with FX that they have no problem letting their shows wreak havoc on your DVRs and run, you know, 65 minutes, 113, et cetera. I think it just kind of, uh, which I appreciate as a fan who really wants to let creators like Noah Hawley have um, as much freedom as possible and love that FX is willing to kind of 
change the model for broadcast TV or cable TV and allow the, the creators to really dictate what the content is and how long shows run. Um, but I guess we're still not quite there yet in terms of that being the, <laughs> the norm. True, true. Um, do we want to jump into Legion or is there anything you want to... Do we want to talk about the bad fight sequences in Iron Fist? Oh. Do we want to talk about Colleen Wing? Or, or do we just want to... Uh, oh, here's one something I do want to uh, uh, touch upon briefly. Is that I think the only existence for Danny Rand, since there's not much to his character other than he's a billionaire, mm-hmm. and that's totally not from the comics, has nothing to do with that. Um, so my theory is that you think about all the other people, right? And they're going to mm-hmm. be the defenders, and maybe they're going to be a, like an Avengers team. So I, my theory is that, that Danny Rand is going to be like the Tony Stark character who's just got a lot of money, and he's yeah. the one who funds everyone. So the, basically the reason why he's there and why they've changed his, completely his origin and his backstory from, I don't think it was pretty rich in the comics, it was pretty <laughs> bland, but I think why they've given him this whole billionaire rich guy thing um, is that he's supposed to bankroll the Defenders. Because you know, at some point you're going to need a base, a home, a headquarters, and, and essentially those things. What what is it essentially? It's like unlimited money, just because like you never talk about the money, but you know, Tony Stark's always got all the resources in the world, right? He can do anything he wants. There's never talk about like, oh yeah, we can't pull that off because we don't have the budget, you know? Yeah. And and so I feel like the Danny Rand character is there to essentially be the rich guy who's going to like fund Defenders Tower and their planes and their jets or whatever they do or, or maybe since they're small scale it'll be their cabs or something. <laughs> so I think that is based on the comics a little bit. Oh, is actually. it? Yeah, so... Um, Not the comics that I read. There's at least one storyline of, is it the Heroes for Hire? Where he and Luke Cage have this like agency of Heroes for Hire and Danny Rand does the, the bankrolling. Oh, to my he, limited understanding, is he, is he rich? Because the I, I read Power Man and Iron Fist. They were like buddies in 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 uh, in um, the comics, and the Heroes for Hire thing was much more like uh, like Daredevil. You know how Daredevil is like their lawyers, yes. and it's like really small scale. Or Jessica Jones, who's like uh, Private Eye, but she works out of her apartment. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of. Uh, uh, heroes for hire that they were in the comic books that I remember because I read them in the eighties. I'm That's dating more myself, but like, like, yeah, it was big. all small scale. I mean, maybe at one point they changed yeah. it that he was a big billionaire, um, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean that's I because either like justify your existence, like why why do they have this character? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like other than to, to be the kung fu badass guy who joins the defenders and. Not that it really matters, but almost none of these characters were in the Defenders, like in the comic books. The original version of the Defenders were like, there was like the Hulk, there was Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is almost uh, 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 like a pivotal key member of the Defenders who's always there. And this is like totally different. They've obviously rewritten it because they're trying to do the small scale heroes yeah. of Hell's Kitchen. Um Modern day Hell's Kitchen, where apparently it's so bad, you know. Meanwhile, Hell's Kitchen, like good, good luck, uh, good luck getting an apartment in Hell's Kitchen these days. Yeah, um, Rent, I, rents are the most dangerous thing in Hell's Kitchen right, right now. Not, not uh, villains and mobs and that kind of thing. So before we move on to Legion, I definitely want to talk about Colleen Wick and the actress that plays her, Jessica Henwick, who I think is absolutely the best part of the show and um, both in terms of her narrative arc being a bit more interesting the actress is great mm-hmm. I 
I'm very curious about what else she's been in. Um, yeah, she is also, I think, British. Or, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Really great accent. Like, I feel like Finn Jones occasionally does that very flat American accent as done by a Brit. But no, she's. IMDb says England, UK. So. Interesting. Um, and then there's Claire Temple, good old Rosario Dawson. Yeah, I I was always happy to see her. I really, that's the other thing about the show is that other than Jessica Henwick, every moment I got excited about you was like that Claire. I was remotely. I like Claire. I was excited to see Carrie Ann Moss as Jerry Hogarth, the, the lawyer who is in every single courtroom defending everyone. You, um, you know, you might be onto something there because I think if you really think about it in the big picture of Marvel Netflix television, is that all the female characters are, are the best characters, they're all the more the most interesting characters. Absolutely. Because not they're not necessarily all the heroes, but they've got like they have to deal with these heroes who are kinda like assholes and they kinda like their heads up their asses and um, yeah, I mean, I think they're I think they're more interesting, and and are certainly Jessica Jones, Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones is is one of the more uh, multi dimensional and multi layered characters, whereas Iron Fist, Danny Rand is really one dimensional. No, I I think that that absolutely hits on it across all of the series. I think Karen Page from Daredevil is fantastic. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, I really liked the women on Luke Cage. Names I'm blanking on, but I thought both Misty Misty McKnight or whatever yeah, her character's Misty name. Misty McKnight was great, and then also the the villainess that yeah. uh, Alfred Woodard Alfred Woodward, was yeah. was fantastic too. So they're they're being a bit more progressive there, even if they're not nailing it on yeah. every other other aspect. Let's also give a shout out to um, the the Meachams, who are largely <laughs> terrible actors. Um, Tom. Plelfi as Ward Meacham is is terrible, and David Meacham as the father, the gaslighting, manipulative father Harold Meacham is really bad. They're both really bad. Yeah, David Wenham sucking so hard here hurts my my nerd heart that loved him in Lord of the Rings. Also, I kind of want to give him boxing lessons, like just defend your face a little bit, maybe. (laughs) But that, that may be nitpicking, but I'm also somebody who's been annoyed every time that they've shot in Brooklyn and called it Hell's Kitchen across these series. So right. I'm, yeah. I'm clearly just going to be annoyed because I want these shows to be better. Yeah, I mean, and I'm knocking these, these actors, but the writing is poor. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're like these like ghastly, manipulative like villains. And, and um, it's so much, like, I mean, it's such a problem across the board in, in narrative movies and film television everything um but i just can't stand it when there's villains who have they're just bad guys and they're like basically twirling their mustaches and there's no texture or dimension layers of them like i always feel like the best villains are the most complex ones that could be a hero or or just like there's a moral gray grayness and and that's pretty obvious i think that that's not like i'm not hitting upon any kind of like a light bulb like oh my god that's how we should but you really should write your characters like that but I just all the time I find like like even in Logan that the the what's his name Boyd Holbrook character yeah. who's just like he, he, you just want to punch him in the face <laughs> um, and I find I, I don't know anyhow uh, I find a lot of villains like that they're just 
really, really bad and really annoying, and you want to punch them in the face. And I certainly feel that way about the Meachams. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what they were thinking there, which is unfortunate because the other Netflix series have really done well with their villains. I think actually done better than the movies. Um, Mahershala on, yeah. on Luke Cage is really good. It's fantastic. Um, David Tennant on Jessica Jones was True. great. And True. then on Daredevil, you have both Vincent D'Onofrio and John Bernthal, who were 100% more interesting than Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Fair enough. Yeah, I, that's a good point. I mean, I, I just think the Meachams are really bad, but maybe that's just because <laughs> the writing is is really bad overall and, and everyone is pretty bad on the show. I'm not a fan of Madame Gao either. Yeah, so I think that we can agree that in the new um, the Netflix rating system of just a thumbs up or a thumbs down, we would both be 100% thumbs down. Yes, yes. <laughs> so moving on to Legion, where I think we have a little bit more of a disagreement on um, how we like the show, just as a quick download this is the fx series uh, that handles a minor character in the x-men universe uh, david haller who's played by dan stevens of beauty and the beast of late as well as downton abbey and he is a character who is uh, in a mental institution or a psychiatric institution for various issues, but it turns out that he may not actually be schizophrenic, as they suggest, but instead he may actually um, have these great um, psychokinetic powers. And he's backed up by Aubrey Plaza as a character named Lenny, uh, who is with him in that institution. And then uh, he later, outside the institution, is under the care and guidance of Dr. Melanie Bird, played by Jean Smart, uh, who is a veteran of Fargo, which was also created by Legion's creator uh, Noah Hawley. So you, so we've we've chatted about this a little bit before mm-hmm. the show. We cheated. Mm-hmm. Um, you do not like Legion. Um, not really. Uh... <laughs> Didn't hate it as much as Iron Fist, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, it's not not as bad, but I'm not I'm not a huge fan. I feel like um, in the short the short criticism or description about the show, it's like um, the schizophrenic character and the show's a little bit schizophrenic, so it's like just becomes to me like a pile on. Whereas I feel like if you have a schizophrenic character, you might want to dial it back a little bit. And um, the show is just over directed, in my opinion. It's like. I think it works in the first episode, mm-hmm. um, but it's just like direction for direction's sake, it feels to me. Like, uh, there's unmotivated camera, there's just like a lot going on, and um, it's, I, I would, I think I would a, a, appreciate more of, I mean, like Noah Hawley did, did Fargo, and I think Fargo is, 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 uh, is a really well shot show, it's really well conceived, it's really well written, um, but this is... It's also kind of confusing. I know the character's schizophrenic, but, like, I don't know. It's just kind of all over the map. And also, Dan Stevens is... I, I Maybe I just don't like Dan Stevens, period. But the whole twitchiness of him, and they call him really... They call the character uh, David Haller is really twitchy. And uh, the, that's the show to me. It's just too twitchy. Oh, I, I, love, I love the style. I really appreciate that... 
Noah Hawley has decided to, I mean, I guess we get a far more generic superhero vision in much of the other TV shows, whether it's Marvel shows or DC certainly, but this is very much an artistic vision rather than the Marvel approach to the character and the universe. So I like that. I love Dan Stevens, and not just because he's he's an attractive human being, but the guest, wonderful. No, no, that's fine, but like his acting on the show. No, I like it. Really? Yeah, it works for me. I think it's, I I don't necessarily want to hang out with. (laughs) That character? No, but, um, which is not the same for, for Cousin Matthew. Oh yeah, I, that's I thought he was really charming on that. Like yeah. that was the, that was my introduction to him, and I thought he was really good on that. And you know, then he was the breakout star, and he went to Hollywood, and like I, that was a thing. Yeah. When he left, like you know, all of a sudden in, in Downton Abbey, it was like, oh, I can totally see why. You know, yeah. he was really charming. He was like the, the the standout, and then he went to Hollywood and got all these gigs. But I just feel like he, he talks like this, and he's just, what's going on? Is, is there chocolate milk in the room? Like, and he's just blabbing, <laughs> and, and all this stuff. It's like the vapor, the this, the what, what. Did you just say the vapor? No, I didn't. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fan of schizoids, I guess. Yeah. Maybe it's my own personal thing. Um, I remember when I used to live in Toronto, I used to live by a mental hospital. And mental patients used to get on the bus um, that I was taking to work. And they were all like, I really don't like it when people talk to themselves aloud. And so maybe that's my thing with Legion. All I don't right. know. <laughs> <laughs> so Noah Holly shouldn't take it too personally. Maybe, maybe. And then you like the Aubrey Plaza character too, right? Yeah, I also not somebody that I want to spend time with, but um, I, I do think that there are a lot of great characters here between Aubrey Plaza. I also really like uh, Sid Barrett, who's played by Rachel Keller. I'm always happy to see Bill Irwin mm-hmm. and Katie Azelton, who plays uh, David Haller's sister, Amy, is always a welcome face and I was really pleasantly surprised to see her both cast here and then actually see her in a role so um, I'm so used to seeing her in a more light comedic role whether it's uh, the league or the other work that she's done um, particularly with her husband Mark Duplass mm-hmm. so um, I like Jean Smart actually um, and that's the kind of the one thing um, that I like about the show is that maybe it's because I need some sort of familiarity, something to ground it with. But she's like the kind of the Professor X of the show, totally. who like who's like leading these mutants and uh, obviously trying to figure out what's what's up with David and and because uh, he, he's a threat to himself, he's a threat to the team, he's a threat to everybody, maybe the world. He's one maybe potentially the most powerful mutant on the planet. Um, but but there's a lot of this like what's really going on here um, and. That's sort of like this, and maybe it's just the internet and the online world, but there's this kind of um, this prevalence or, or movement towards like what I'm what I think is like theory driven television. Like, here's my theory of what's actually going on, and a lot of it is based on um, um, the withholding of information, like mm-hmm. a narrative that's built on. I'm not going to tell you everything. I'm going to withhold, and I feel like that's like this sort of weird passive-aggressive relationship like the viewer has with the, like, I feel like I'm being abused by like some like gaslighting <laughs> girlfriend or something. Like I, I really, I, I don't appreciate the this sort of withholding of information in the way that's like, hmm, is it really going on? Or, or like, are we on the 13th floor elevator? Or are we on the 12 and a half floor elevator? Or like, where are we exactly? And is this a dream? Or like, 
actually, this is maybe real. Like, this kind of drives me crazy. Oh, I love it. I like feeling uncertain and trying to figure stuff out and hoping that that it's going somewhere interesting. With Noah Hawley, I trust that it is. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there are six episodes in tonight while we're recording at this very second episode. Seven is airing and there's only eight episodes so hopefully this great right great that's what i'm talking about (laughs) you guys just missed the look of joy on (laughs) rod's face which was um immense so yeah i mean we're we're dealing with fewer episodes i'm hoping so much that (laughs) that some of these mysteries will be resolved as somebody who has been a fan of these more elaborate shows whether it's something like lost or um the leftovers where there's a lot going on, a lot of questions are being asked, and as long as most of those questions are answered and those answers are parsed out over a period of time, I'm fine. If we get to the end of episode eight and I feel like I know nothing more than in that very confusing first episode, then I, I may revisit my, my well, stance. Well, I, I think it's fundamentally like scripted and, and, and shaped that you're going to find out certain things, but you're not going to find out everything. Because yeah. if you did, there would be no season two, which is sort of like an endemic fundamental problem with television, too, is that it just needs to keep going. The narrative just has to keep continuing. Absolutely. Whereas that's what I like about a two-hour movie is like, or even like we saw Life Tonight. Like, that thing is done. It's final. Yeah. There's no sequel. There's nothing going on there. That's a self-contained story. Um, and yeah, self-contained stories could be long. That's actually why I like miniseries. Miniseries are great. Yeah, I love any kind of miniseries. Even the Nick kind of ended up being like only two seasons, but it kind of being like an extended miniseries. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I like some finality. I like a self-contained story. I, I, I like almost three acts, if you want to do three acts over eight episodes or something like that, but I'm really into the miniseries. I'm really not into the show that just keeps going on and on and on and then has to like find excuses to sustain itself. Absolutely. I I think that shows, whether we're talking about a miniseries or even a longer series, but where you're working toward an endpoint, like with the Americans this season, them only having two seasons left and being able to plot every bit of that last two seasons to get to where they want to go and know that that's where they're going. I think that that's that's ideal. Um, but obviously, in the way that television is a business, not just an entirely creative mm-hmm. endeavor, you can't determine how long or short your show is in many cases. I, am I ignorant to say that I don't know? I am ignorant to say that I'm not sure if, if Legion has been has been uh, renewed for a second season, but I'm assuming it must be. Yeah, a second season was ordered just this month. Nice. Uh, so For me, not for you, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but, like, I, I didn't know it was eight episodes, and I think that's great. Yeah. Um, I, that, that's a, you know, we're almost done. So, like, in terms of the season, it's almost finished. So I, I, I'm much more willing to tolerate something like that because it's getting to the point quicker, yeah. even if it's, like, even if I have to think of it as season one is its own like kind of mini series and then season two will be its own kind of mini series in a kind of way, mm-hmm. I can tolerate that much more if it, if it's it's telling its story with economy. You know what I mean? That's what thirteen episodes I mean hey, some great shows can can I mean the Americans can do it like they can stretch out as long as they want and they Absolutely. can do it. But like, you know, the Netflix shows, it's just like stretch. <laughs> and then finally we're at the point you know and a lot of it is like 
so much filler, so much filler episodes. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's good in the beginning, it's good in the end, like, you know, the final episodes, but just so much filler in between. And the filler is killing peak TV to me. Absolutely. Even Jessica Jones, which has been my favorite of the, the Marvel Netflix series, really could have tightened it up there in the middle. Absolutely. The slack of the middle. It's yeah. always, like, episodes, like, five through nine or something. And almost, on, on a lot of shows, yeah. it's just, like, it just the slack, and then it just, like... It, I don't know about you, but if I if we didn't have to be doing these shows, I'd peace out around <laughs> this time. I know a lot of people who just pieced out during halfway through Iron Fist, and I would have totally, I would have pieced out if if I hadn't like you know, yeah. it's like we're gonna talk about Iron Fist, so I'm gonna watch the whole thing. I'm like beholden to watching the whole thing, whether I want to or not. Yeah, I I did fall asleep. Um, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, I kept getting getting nudged on the couch and was was trying to soldier through, but it's it's rough at times so but but Legion's more dynamic I'll give you that I yes. mean like it's at least you're not going to be bored it, to me no. it's too schizo but <laughs> you may not have any idea what's going on right but um, um, totally confused but yeah I, I like that feeling so thumbs up for for Legion for me where would you ultimately fall especially now knowing that it is only eight episodes well or do you want to reserve your uh, well you know it's not quite done yet yeah and, but we'll see how it goes with these last two episodes. We're not watching episode seven right now because we're talking to you guys while we're recording. <laughs> um, but you know, maybe maybe it's gonna finish strongly and, and maybe win me over in a way. That's sort of another problem with television. You just it's so extended. You just never know. It's like, is this? Am I gonna like this? Am I gonna like the whole arch arc of the story? Yeah. Um, and, and you. I don't know. T- television is a, is a. I'm maybe I'm just so uh, I'm so grown up on the two hour movie. You know that that's sort of like my sort of fundamental uh, form of storytelling. That and then I used and I wasn't a television watcher until peak TV came around and the idea of like all these great shows that were coming on, great writers and, and the quality of TV really shot up. And you had auteurs and filmmakers and real point of view on television. So it's only been in the last maybe like, I mean it's been a while now, maybe we could say like the f- last five years or yeah. something like that. Um, but I've lived a whole lifetime where, where I was, you know, more used to the, the hour and a half, two hour movie with the self-contained story. It's a totally different game. So beyond what's on now, there is so much coming <laughs> beyond just uh, the Defenders coming this summer, which will again be uh, the union of all four, four of those Netflix heroes uh, fighting against the villain that is going to be Sigourney Weaver, which I think is what's maybe going to um, sustain some people through Iron Fist, where it's uh, a little lackluster Otherwise, beyond that, um, Fox just announced an unnamed X-Men series, executive produced by Brian Singer, um, who's on board there, and then the showrunner is Burn Notice creator Matt Nix on ABC, which currently has Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I quit forever ago, (laughs) Um, has Inhumans, which is a spinoff of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they've done a great job setting it up so I hear from people who are still watching I'm not watching but I've uh, I know enough that like I think Marvel movies and Kevin Feige were they were going to make an Inhumans movie mm-hmm. and then I think 
you know, like Marvel TV and uh, Jeff Loeb and, and, you know, Ike Permuliter and those that whole team, they're really thirsty to be uh, part of the Marvel <laughs> movies, you know, that universe. Yeah. And, and well, first of all, that those crossovers are never happening. Yeah. And, um, no, they got... We got Samuel L. Jackson, I think, in like one episode of Agents of Shield. Right, that'll, that's that'll be it. That's the best you're ever going to get. Yeah. Um, and I mean, because Samuel L. Jackson wants to play that character in every movie. Like he just wants. <laughs> he, he's like he just wants to be. He's like, do you need me to do catering? Uh, I'll do catering on a Mar- <laughs> He just really loves that character and really wants yeah. to do it everywhere. But uh, uh, yeah, so I, in humans was going to be a movie, and my theory is that like they like ABC Television poisoned the well by doing so many. So many uh, like teases and Easter eggs for the humans on the television show that Kevin Feige was like, "All right, fuck this. You guys can have it. I'm not touching <laughs> this because I, you desperately want to be connected to us, and you, it's not happening. So you can have it. You're gonna put in all these like connections to humans. Fine, have it. And then just like wiping their hands clean of it and being like, we'll just do Guardians of the Galaxy three, and you can, you know, we don't need to do in humans. But but there's more coming, right? There's even more. So more more. Mar- Marvel television. Um, so Freeform, which was formerly ABC Family, is going to have Cloak and Dagger, which is about two teenagers from very different backgrounds who um, fall in love and also have brand new superpowers. Because of course it's teenagers on Freeform, which has uh, Pretty Little Liars and The Fosters and um, a lot of other shows. So there are two showrunners for that, and one of them, Bill Mantlo, uh, has done a lot of work on the Marvel animated series, like Guardians of the Galaxy and Those are pretty things good. like that. So that, that could be interesting. I think Freeform is also trying to do more interesting shows than I think they were previously known to do. Mm-hmm. The Fosters is supposed to be pretty great um, and also pretty progressive, which is never a bad thing yeah. for, for the youngins to experience. Um, and finally, the one that I'm most excited about for a couple of reasons is coming to... Hulu, and that is Runaways, which is based on Brian K. Vaughn's comic series. If you're familiar with Brian K. Vaughn, he, in the TV world, worked on Lost for a bit, but in comics, he did Why the Last Man, um, as well as... Um, did, he do, did he do Preacher? No, he did um, Ex Machina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but he's, yeah. Big in, he's big in the comics world. He's great, like really smart, and uh, has really done a great job with world building in the the series he's created um but this is coming this is maybe a little bit less exciting for me it's going to be from gossip girl creators and showrunners josh schwartz and stephanie savage Uh oh (laughs) Get, get me away from that yeah but uh runaways is a really great concept at the very least and it's a group of teenage friends who discover that their parents are actually super villains, and so they band together as superheroes to fight them. Did you know that? And this is you have to be really remember like everyday uh, news in, in the movie and television industry. But Josh Schwartz uh, was one of the he I think wrote the original and cat and pitched the first X Men First Class. Yeah, he wrote the first script for that. Um, he's wanted to be he's obviously a big Marvel person because he's wanted to be part of it for a long time um, and this is way back before like probably like two or three years before X-Men First Class became a movie he wrote the first draft I think they did not like it at all they threw it in the trash and they started over again but clearly uh, and, and his sensibilities are obviously for teens mm-hmm. so he was doing like a teen version of X-Men First Class and um, you know obviously that's what he's doing for um, 
The Runaways. Uh, there's two shows I think that maybe you didn't mention one of them, the, uh, the regular X-Men, right? Oh, That's going to be on Fox, uh, which hasn't yeah, been wait. shot yet and hasn't been done, but I think... Uh, yes, there was the one from Matt Nix. Yeah, and, and Brian Singer I think is going to shoot the pilot, and yeah. it's going to like, I think Jubilee is going to be one of the characters, oh. or, or maybe not because she was in uh, uh, Apocalypse... What was it, X-Men blow up the world again? Yeah, that one. The, the, the world-building <laughs> engine where Magneto is just a character to, to destroy the world for a little bit. Um, Which is totally what he deserves after so many years of being a more interesting character. Maybe, maybe it's not her, but it's a young girl. <laughs> so it's going to be like, like, like they do or like they want to do is like focus on um, uh, X-Men or mutants that are not in the main sagas and the main storyline. So... Um, they're going to be some of the uh, other characters that are probably off the beaten path a little bit. Um, so that's going to be its own, like, proper... I don't know if it would be called X-Men, but they're, like, looking at it as a sort of proper X-Men show. It's really interesting, though, because they're going to be, like, between that and Deadpool that's taking Colossus and other side characters, yeah. they're really, really going to start... And then, you know, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, who's, like, a, nobody knows who the hell they her she yeah. is. And then you're just going to start to end up scraping the bottom of the barrel, you know, in terms of characters. But then again, um, like good writing will show, like Iron, like, you know, we're getting slightly off track, but Iron Man, you know, he was a B-list character yeah. when in the comics. He was never that interesting and they made him do an A-list character. I think the same thing could be said about Green Lantern. Like Green Lantern could be a B-list character and maybe that's why the Green Lantern movie is so bad, which is more like a D-list character. But uh, you can... You can turn anything to into something fruitful if you have a good writer. And then there's the last thing is the rumored Moon Knight show, and Moon, oh, Moon yeah. Knight is kind of like the Batman fight at night kind of character. And I'm pretty sure that's going to end up on some sort of channel of, of television. I'm, I don't think they're. I, I think it's in development somewhere, but uh, um, that should probably roll around at some point. Well, thanks for sticking with us, guys, after all of this talk of so many Marvel TV shows um, and so many more to come. And thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So you guys can find us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud. We do a blog post about each of these podcasts, and we would love to get your feedback there. Or you can leave us a review on SoundCloud or iTunes. We'd really like to hear what shows you want us to cover, if for no other reason than it's peak TV and we don't want to make those decisions. <laughs> so uh, let us know. Please tell us what we should be watching and what we should be talking avoiding. about. Avoiding. Or yeah. what we should be avoiding, too. Like, let us know. And, uh, um, oh, The Defenders is only going to be eight episodes. Yes. <gasps> We'd high five, but you couldn't see yeah. that. <laughs> Although the, the bad part is the, the showrunner is going to be... Oh no no the, no it's not the showrunners of Inhumans are going the same is Scott, Scott Buck, Buck the yes. same the same showrunner of Iron Fist so Inhumans is gonna suck <laughs> based on <laughs> We've that already decided. right and the Defenders is actually by the same showrunners who did Daredevil season two mm. <laughs> better than Iron Fist right that's true that's small small favors and I like the uh, eight episodes but but uh, yeah subscribe listen. Uh, tell us, tell us, give us feedback, whether it's on iTunes or on our blog posts or wherever you want to put it, um, and uh, let us know. And then there's also our our playlist podcast network, which contains lots of 
different podcasts that you should tune into, like uh, Adjust Your Tracking with Eric McClanahan and Joe Von Appen. There's um, the Over Under uh, podcast where they sort of pit two movies and what's underrated <laughs> and what's overrated. And uh, and maybe we'll kick back the, the regular playlist podcast back to life, the, the mothership, as it were. We're not yet at uh, Marvel TV heights in terms of expansion. That's true. We're, we're we'll, getting there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in soon. Thanks, guys.